Running form varies wildly from runner to runner. So how do you know if you've got good running form? Now, there are many, many people out there on the internet teaching proper running technique. However, what I wanna know is, what does the evidence say? Over the years, I've read dozens and dozens of research articles looking at running technique. And what the researchers have been trying to identify is what are the key variables that either lead to increased injury risk or better performance? In amongst all of this research, I've come to see a few commonalities, a few key variables that just keep cropping up over and over again as maybe being related to increasing injury risk or improving performance. What's more exciting is that I think I've identified a single variable that links all of those other variables together. And that means that we only need to look at this one thing in order to determine if we have good running form. Hi guys, my name is Matthew Boyd. I'm a physiotherapist and running coach. If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to like and subscribe. And if you're so inclined, share it with a friend. Today, we're going to be answering the question, what is good running form? As I've said, I've read dozens of articles about running technique over the years, and there's more coming out every month. I really don't want to present today's episode as the last word on running form and that you only need to fix one thing in order for everything to be perfect. But rather, I'd like to introduce you to some ways of looking at your own running technique and to give you a little bit of an idea of what the evidence is saying as of 2022. In today's episode, I'm going to lean heavily on three papers. And these three papers, while not being representative of the entirety of the research that looks at running technique, do, I feel, do a pretty good job of representing what we think is important about running technique and what isn't at this point. First up, we have a fantastic review paper written in 2016 by Dr. Izzy Moore, and she looked at all of the running research to that point and tried to identify factors that connected running form with running economy. Then we have a paper from 2017 written by Dr. Jonathan Forland and his colleagues, and they looked at 97 runners and try to identify running technique and running form factors that influence running economy and running performance. And finally, a 2018 study by Dr. Chris Brahma in which they looked at 72 injured runners and 36 uninjured runners, compared their running technique habits and tried to identify those factors that were more prevalent in the injured runners. These three papers were very influential in the running biomechanics world, and I'm also very excited to say that all three came out of my home country. If we look at the variables identified as negatively influencing running form, we see that there are a few in these studies that keep cropping up. They use different terms and different ways of measuring them, but I'm going to try and simplify things by dividing them into four categories of running technique errors. The first being overstriding, then vertical oscillation, then knock knee running, and finally a dropped pelvis. Let's go through them one at a time, starting with overstriding. Overstriding simply means landing with your foot too far out in front of you when you run. However, since we have to put the foot out in front of us at least a little bit to go anywhere, it can be hard to define what exactly constitutes overstriding. So how do you know if you're overstriding? Thankfully, there is quite a simple method. What we're going to need to do is take a video of your running on a treadmill shot from directly side on. You can do this by taking your phone and wedging it in a running shoe so that it stays upright and then place it on a chair directly to the side of the treadmill pointing at you so it's directly side on as you're running. Try and make sure that it's not off to an angle to one side a little bit. 
When you take the video, use the slow-mo setting on your phone's camera if you have one, but don't worry if you don't. Once you've taken the video, if you're running along at a fairly comfortable pace, then you're gonna scrub through the video and freeze it at the point where your foot first contacts the floor. What we wanna see at that point is that your shin is angled vertically upwards or at least almost vertical. The more it's angled backwards, the more we think that you're overstriding. Next up, we're gonna look for higher vertical oscillation. Vertical oscillation means how much you bounce up and down when you run. Now there is a certain amount of bouncing up and down that is needed in order to propel yourself forwards. We can't just glide along smoothly without bouncing up and down at all. However, if you're bouncing up and down too much, you're wasting energy pushing yourself up in the air that you could be using to push yourself forwards. If you think of throwing a ball, if you wanted to throw a ball as far as you could, you wouldn't throw it straight up in the air because it'll just come down and land on your head. However, you also wouldn't throw it dead horizontal. There is a certain angle that you would choose that you would think gets you the best bang for buck in terms of how much force you put into the ball for how far it will go. That's what we're looking for when we're running. As we jump off one foot to propel ourselves forwards, we don't want to go up too much, but we don't want to go dead horizontal either. Both Dr. Moore and Dr. Forland identified higher vertical oscillation as negatively impacting running performance and running economy. However, it's really hard to determine how much vertical oscillation is too much because it depends how tall you are. But by the time we get to the end of the episode, you'll notice that you don't actually need to work this out in order to optimize your vertical oscillation. Next up, we're gonna look for knock knee running and pelvic drop. To do that, we need a video from behind. So just grab your phone, stick it in the shoe again, and put it on a chair directly behind the treadmill this time. You can run at the same pace as before, Take the video and shoot it in slow-mo if you have that option on your phone. Once you've taken the video, you're gonna have a look at the video and scrub through until the point in the video when the knees pass. At that point, we should see a little bit of space between the knees. If the knees are touching, I call that knock knee running. However, in the research, they will call that hip adduction. Next, we're gonna keep the video paused at that point and have a look at the pelvis. What we wanna see is that the pelvis is pretty much horizontal when looking from left to right. So if you draw a line across your pelvis, which is pretty much the same point where your shorts would be sitting, you wanna see that it's fairly horizontal. If it's tilted down to one side, I call that pelvic drop. In the research, they call it contralateral pelvic drop. And in his 2018 study, Dr. Chris Brahma identified that this factor was associated with an increase in injury risk. What's more, in his 2017 study, Dr. Forland noticed that an increase in leg stiffness was associated with an increase in performance. And we could say that these two are quite linked because if your knee is not as stiff while you're weight bearing on it, it's going to buckle down a little bit more. So we could say that that contralateral pelvic drop and the knock knee style of running is not only increasing risk of injury, but also potentially hampering performance. Okay, so after shooting a couple of videos of yourself running on a treadmill with your camera phone, you should have a pretty good idea if you actually have good running form or not. Essentially, if you're not bouncing up and down too much, you're not overstriding, you're not knocking your knees together, and you're not letting your pelvis drop, then you do have good running form. However, what if you are doing one of those things, and what if you're doing all of them? Well, the good news is that it's not that bad. There's lots of runners out there who do all of those things and they almost never get injured and they perform really well. 
So when it comes to running technique, I always tell people to take a fairly chilled out approach. Running technique is not the only variable at play when it comes to how well you perform or whether you get injured or not. And the other good news is that I think there's a single variable that actually links all of those running technique errors that we've discussed as being identified in the research all together. It's something that we can measure easily and that we can manipulate without too much difficulty. Cadence. Your cadence is also known as your step rate. And quite simply, it's just the number of steps you take each minute. Most elite runners have a higher cadence than most recreational runners. However, there is a fair bit of overlap. If you want to know your cadence, if you have a look at the data from your GPS watch for the last few runs that you've done, you can see your average cadence in there. It might say something like 150, 160, 170, and that's essentially how many steps a minute you take on average. If you don't have that facility, all you need to do is count how many steps you take in six seconds and multiply by 10. So if you take like 15 steps in six seconds, you take about 150 steps a minute. Generally speaking, a higher cadence would be something above 180 steps a minute. A fairly moderate cadence would be something like 170 to 180, and anything below 170, I would consider a fairly low cadence. The interesting thing is that a low cadence seems to be associated with most of the variables identified in the research studies that we've discussed today. Things like overstriding, higher vertical oscillation, knock-knee running, pelvic drop, they all seem to happen more when your cadence is lower. And conversely, when your cadence is higher, that doesn't seem to happen so much. Essentially, when you have a higher cadence, you're taking more steps each minute so you don't spend as long on the ground because you have to take your next step. That doesn't really give you time to drop into a pelvic drop. It doesn't give you knee time to come over towards the other one. It doesn't give you time to reach out so far in front of you and overstride. And it also doesn't give you time to jump up really high in the air and have a higher vertical oscillation. So when your cadence is higher, it naturally corrects a lot of those things. Happily, a higher cadence also seems to help with a lot of other running technique errors that were identified in these studies and others. Things like having your knee too straight when you land or having your toes pulled up too high in the air when you land. Higher cadence will tend to reduce those things as well. In fact, of the 17 variables identified in the three studies we've looked at today, I personally believe that about 15 of them would be improved if you were to increase your cadence a little. So if your cadence is in the low end below that 170, then you look at your running technique and see that you're doing some of these running technique errors that we've discussed today. Perhaps it's worth increasing it a little bit. That would be a reasonable strategy to help improve your running technique. So how can you use this information to help you optimize your running form? Well, let's go through the method using a fictional runner named Carrie. So let's say Carrie takes the video from the side and the video from behind, just as we outlined above. She identifies that she's overstriding a little bit because her shin is not vertical. It's quite angled backwards when she looks at the video from the side. When she looks at the video from behind, she notices that her pelvis isn't quite level when the knees are passing, so she knows she's got a bit of a pelvic drop. She decides to have a look at her cadence, and when she looks at her last few runs on her Garmin, she sees that her average cadence is around 155 beats per minute. She decides that increasing her cadence might be a good strategy to help her improve her running technique and help scrub out that overstriding and that pelvic drop. Carrie downloads a metronome app and she sets the beats per minute to 155. As she's running along, she knows that she's hitting that 155 cadence because the funny beep is always at the same time as her left foot hits the ground. 
so she increases her cadence by about 10%. This brings it up to 170 beats per minute, so she sets the metronome at 170 and tries to match that beat with her footsteps. She can do it, but it's quite difficult for her, and she feels like she can't sustain it for very long. So she decides to pull it back to about a 5% increase. So she sets the metronome to 162 beats per minute and tries to match that beat with her footsteps. She can match that one fairly easily and she knows her cadence is 162 because that funny sounding beep is always at the same time as her left foot hits the ground. So Carrie practices with her metronome app set to 162 beats per minute. She does one minute for every kilometer that she runs where she has the metronome playing and she tries to match her footsteps to the beat. She knows when she's doing it right because that funny beat always lands on her left footstep. Carrie does this for about four weeks. After four weeks, she takes the two videos again and has another look. She notices that her overstriding and her pelvic drop have improved, but she can still see them. So she decides to have another go at that 170 beats per minute. When she sets the metronome to 170 beats per minute now, she finds that she can match it pretty easily, after all, she's been practicing turning her feet over quicker for the last four weeks. So that's 170 doesn't feel quite so hard as it did before. She goes away and practices that. One minute for every kilometer that she runs, she plays the metronome at 170 beats a minute and tries to match her footsteps to the beat. This isn't that hard for her. And after four weeks, she takes the videos again. When she has a look now, looking from the side, when her foot hits the ground, her shin is pretty much vertical or thereabouts. So she's pretty happy that she's not overstriding anymore. When she looks at the video from behind, as the knees pass, her pelvis looks pretty much level. So she's pretty happy that she's not dropping her pelvis anymore either. When Carrie has a look at her Garmin data for the last few runs, she notices that her cadence was actually around 165 beats per minute. So she thinks if she's been running at 165 for the majority of the run now, she might as well have a go at just doing the whole run at 170. When she does that, she actually doesn't find it too bad. It would seem that her cadence has been naturally increasing a little bit just from doing those one minute intervals with the metronome. So to sum up, although running technique and running form are not the be all and end all, when it comes to running performance or running injury risk, there do seem to be a few key variables that keep cropping up in the research. Overstriding, vertical oscillation, pelvic drop, knock knee running. In this episode, hopefully I've given you some ways that you can help identify those things and potentially, if you have low cadence, increasing your cadence a little bit using something simple like a metronome might help you address some of those things. However, running technique and running form is not that simple. Check out my interview with Tom Goom. We spent a good hour talking about running technique and he shares some of his insights and his interpretations on the research as it stands and how he addresses running technique. Obviously, running technique analysis is more complicated than just the things that we discussed in this video. We have to take into consideration the context, injuries, performance goals, and other such things when we look at anyone's running technique. If you're really interested in optimizing your running technique, then you can book an online running technique analysis with me. Just go ahead and click the link in the description for more information. Thanks for listening, guys. If you want to see the video that accompanies this episode, just click the link in the description. In the video, I use some real world examples of the running technique errors that I'm discussing in order to help illustrate the points more clearly. Today's episode was also part of my running fundamentals course, which you can also subscribe to get the entire course sent to your inbox. Just click the link in the description.